Ted's IQ is 167. He builds a famous 10 by 12 foot cat. The Unabomber, the New York Times, the Washington Post, Frank Kaczynski's exist. When you get a package, what happens? Maybe you ordered something off Amazon that finally arrived, or maybe it's a present sent from your family. Either way, once you see the package, all you can think about is opening it. That's how we're wired. Humans have a consistent need to know the unknown, and the fact that you can open up that package with just one easy rip is exciting. However, what if it's not the package that you ordered? Not just a package sent to the wrong house or a mixed up order, but something unpleasant intended for you and only you with no return address. The Unabomber case has been one of the most notorious cases in history. Being the most expensive in FBI history and lasting almost two decades, it is still studied across the country. So where does the name Unabom even come from? Over his 17 years of crime, the Unabomber mainly hit universities and airlines as his targets. The FBI took the UN from university and A from airline and deemed the criminal with the infamous name. But what actually happened? Starting in 1978, a homemade bomb was mailed to the University of Chicago, making the first hit of the Unabomber. Over time, the bombs became more and more sophisticated, ultimately killing three and injuring 24 people. The Unabomber was careful to leave no forensic evidence in his path, even taking the time to make his own glue from horse hooves and burning off the serial numbers from batteries. The only thing the Unabomber left the FBI and his victims was the signature FC, standing for Freedom Club, on each of his bombs. So how was the FBI going to find a suspect with no evidence? With the help of the U.S. Postal Service, the packages were tracked to the San Francisco Bay Area to three different sorting locations. The victimology of the bombs seemed random, but the engineering of the bombs themselves were very intricate. This led the FBI to believe that the unknown suspect was an uneducated airline mechanic who was hitting universities he had been rejected from and airlines that had laid him off. This was the profile that the FBI had been working with for almost 15 years, limiting their search to these specific traits. Occasionally, the Unabomber would write letters to major publications such as the New York Times or the Washington Post, taunting them, the FBI, and the public and their inability to identify them. So who was the man that was able to escape the FBI team of 150 members for so long? Well, his name was Theodore Kaczynski. Theodore, or Ted to his friends, was born in Evergreen Park, Illinois. He was an above-average child who was very skilled in math. He skipped many grades in school, however, he always felt smarter than everyone around him. At the age of 16, he was offered a full scholarship to Harvard University where he dormed with the other genius kids. He was isolated from his classmates due to his young age and maturity levels. He never felt as if he fit in with anyone. During his time at Harvard, he was offered to join a psychological study with Professor Henry A. Murray. Before his time at Harvard, Murray worked at the Office of Strategic Services during World War II, training spies to handle intense interrogation techniques, in which to continue his studies while teaching. The subjects chosen to participate in Murray's study were asked to come up with a personal philosophy about life. Over the span of three years, these philosophies were explained and discussed with Murray one-on-one -on -one and became concrete ideologies over time. At the end of the study, the subjects were told that they would debate their philosophies with another undergrad student. However, once they showed up to the debate, they were met with law students who were there to rip their ideas to shreds. 
The ideals were debated and filmed, riling up the subjects. Then Murray hooked up the subjects to electrodes and subjected them to harsh heat and light and forced the subjects to watch their tapes over and over again, humiliating them even more. Even Murray called these simulations, quote, personally abusive. But this did not stop him from continuing his studies. Over his time with Murray, Kaczynski had grown fond of their meetings. Murray was one of the few people who really listened and seemed to understand Kaczynski as he felt so disconnected from his peers. However, after facing such deep humiliation at such a young, impressionable age, Murray's test affected Kaczynski differently than other students. They made him more angry than before, making him hungry for people to understand his points and ideologies. Kaczynski went to get a PhD in mathematics and taught at UC Berkeley as a professor. After only two years of working there and still feeling like he was smarter than everyone else, Kaczynski decided to move to the desolate woods of Montana and live off the land. He built his own cabin with no running water or electricity. Our other major story tonight, a break in the Unabomber case. FBI agents are searching the Montana cabin of former mathematics professor Ted Kaczynski. In 1995, there was a breakthrough in the Unabomber case. Kaczynski sent his 35,000-word manifesto entitled Industrial Society and Its Future to the Washington Post and the New York Times. He threatened to send even more bombs if his work was not published into these newspapers for the world to read. While the FBI was hesitant to publish his work, they hoped that a family member or friend would read the manifesto and recognize some of the ideals or writing style. After weeks of the manifesto being published and no advancements in the case, James R. Fitzgerald, an FBI profiler, began to look at the manifesto in another way. He threw away the FBI's original profile of the Unabomber and presented a new base. Using a technique he called comparative linguistics, Fitz was able to use clues in the Unabomber's own words to find him. The FBI was able to look at specific words that were used to identify which region of the country the Unabomber was from. There was also a consistent incorrect spelling, such as spelling analyze with an S instead of a Z, that can be traced to an editor's guide of the Chicago Tribune, which Kaczynski read while growing up. Terms like broad or chick used to describe women and Negro to describe people of color indicate that he did not have very much contact with people and was isolated from the rest of the world. Along with this, there was a corrections page detached to the front of his manifesto. This was old formatting they used for PhD candidates, which had recently been changed. This aged the Unabomber to be many years older than the FBI originally thought. This was the first time comparative linguistics had been used to justify a search warrant. So what, a bunch of used words and spelling errors led the FBI to Ted's door? After weeks of the manifesto being published and no significant leads, the FBI was finally given information they were looking for. David Kaczynski, Ted's brother, recognized the ideologies preached about in the manifesto and contacted the FBI. He sent samples of Ted's past writing and the analogies and language matched up. The ideals about how technology is ruining our society more than helping it corresponded with the writing Ted did at Harvard and letters he wrote to his brother. This ultimately led the FBI to Montana where they found the isolated cabin that housed the Unabomber. With all this being said, why did Kaczynski do what he did? What pushed him so far over the edge that he felt the need to go to such extreme lengths to get his point across? He escaped to Montana for complete isolation from the outside world. 
He lived a primitive life with no electricity and no running water, trying his best not to use any technology. However, while he tried to escape from civilization, it was slowly finding him. Twice a day, two airplanes would fly across his cabin, creating a loud noise that disrupted his everyday life, which led him to target American Airlines. On his favorite hiking trail lookout, the view was ruined by the forestry industry machinery. They were cutting down large trees that he loved and took away the soothing sound of nature. The tranquility that he had searched for for years was slowly being taken away from him due to the advancement of technology. He held these conspiracies against technology for years, claiming that while it seemed to free us, it was only constricting us more. For example, in his manifesto, he wrote at the idea of a car. While it seems like cars gave us the ability to drive anywhere to our heart's desire, we are given so many more rules and regulations we have to follow on the road. This was just one of many examples Kaczynski gives to the public in his writing. So where is he today? Well, currently, Ted Kaczynski is held in a supermax prison in Colorado. He is in a concrete jail cell for 23 hours a day. When he was tried in 1998, Ted's defense wanted to plea that he was mentally ill and unable to comprehend his actions. However, once Ted got a hold of this, he fired his lawyers immediately, with his greatest fear being labeled as crazy and his ideas discredited. Ted defended himself on the stand and eventually took the guilty plea, giving him four life sentences in jail.